big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. Most people just go around nodding to the last opinion they heard, don't they? I agree. Excuse me, Melvin. Is one of you getting in? Bye, then. Bye. Thanks for a lovely afternoon of French cinema. Au revoir, mon ami. Indeedy. This is all so fucking sophisticated. See you tomorrow. A demain. No, you demain. <laughs> Why is that funny? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode fucking 50, New Year's Eve. My name is Sean, and I am a manimal. And my name's Laura, and I'm a best-selling flannimal. <laughs> do you do you even understand that? Did you get the flannimals over there? I had we didn't get flannimals over here, but I actually looked it up just to see if it was a real thing, and it was a turned out it was a Ricky Gervais thing. Yeah, it was an inexplicably popular Ricky Gervais series of books that seemed to do really well, but I'm not sure why. Were they anything similar to manimals? No, they were like creatures. They were like weird creatures that had jokes attached it was a very boy thing in fact i think if i asked my husband about it he probably liked it but i didn't get it <laughs> uh yeah we definitely didn't have flanimals over here i don't even know that we had manimals over here come to think of it i didn't i well we'll talk about this when it comes up but i didn't know what a manimal was i'm glad Dobby explains it in this episode <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up and it was, turns out it was like a TV show or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it meant nothing to me. I really want to watch this TV show now because it was made in the 60s and it had practical special effects, so I bet it looks like shit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I bet it does. Maybe we'll throw that into our uh, TV show repertoire for <laughs> stuff we review. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you feel about this episode going in? Did you Did you remember it as a good one or how did you feel? I the only thing that I really remembered about this episode was Superhands' girlfriend, the party at Superhands, and the party at Gerard's. Everything else yes. was just kind of a blur. Yes. I didn't remember loads about it. I remembered more about the circumstances of my watching it because it was the Christmas before I got married and we were moving house as well. We got married in February. And we watched this as we were packing boxes in our old flat. So I remembered that more than I remembered anything that happened in the episode. <laughs> it's it's awesome. That's one thing that I love about doing this podcast with you is that you actually have certain memories attached to certain episodes, and I just find that really fascinating. Yeah, real memories. That's uh, yeah, and lots of lots of them. If we ever did a Lost podcast, I would promise you that i have a lot of memories attached to lost as well so it's funny isn't it how memories attach themselves to tv programs especially yeah. more than anything else yeah yeah and i don't have a lot of shows that are like that where i have like a strong visceral like you know attachment with like lots of memories and stuff but i guarantee you if i looked at the dates of all the lost finale episodes i could probably tell you who i watched it with and where i watched it mm, yeah yeah because that was just i think i edited it out of last week's episode because uh, there was a long conversation where we were talking about lost heroes and prison break yeah but... we did talk about lost didn't we to um to keelan. keelan yeah yeah um because i never got past series one i'm afraid but <laughs> i understand that for the people that got got further it was awful because the ending was so dreadful but you liked the ending didn't you yes i did yeah yeah uh, that was fun last week. I enjoyed doing the episode with Keelan. And if you guys like that and you want to come on the show with us, just head on over to our Patreon page and you too can join us on the El Dude Brothers podcast or the British Television Invasion podcast if Inbetweeners is more your thing. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, it's great to just speak to someone else with a different perspective and different age and in Keelan's case, living in a different country entirely from both <laughs> of us. Um, yeah, so that would be great. If anyone's interested, you know what to do. I would just prefer you live in a place where I don't have to wake up at four in the morning to record. <laughs> yeah. Australians need not apply. No, you're fine if you're Australian. Yeah. Well, you're not fine if you're Australian, but we'll take Australia. <laughs> I, I mean, money spends the same, so we'll take it from anywhere. <laughs> we're, not, we're not picky. Yeah, we're not picky. Yep. 
Um, it all converts into dollars in the end. <laughs> so, um, this episode then kicks off, as so many do, with uh, Mark and Jeremy in Apollo House. Yes. Um, Mark is just saying that there's nothing from Dobby since Christmas. Mark wants to call again, but he's worried that when he leaves long messages, he has this nagging sense that he'll end up hearing them played back in a court of law. And this just... <laughs> I know that it's series nine and we haven't gotten series nine yet, but it makes me think of the, was it like thousand or 15,000 text month or whatever it is? <laughs> yeah. Million text mark as yeah, he gets called after mark. he uh, bombards Dobby with text messages. So clearly, I mean, he's, he's a bit weird with Sophie on the phone at the beginning as well, isn't he? So clearly he's a bit, doesn't quite know how to behave on the phone with women. If somebody was calling you like over and over and over, how do you think you would react to that? I would block their number and have done. That's exactly how I deal with that sort of situation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I had a boyfriend who I split up with and he did a similar thing. And yeah, that, that number got blocked. Um, Jeremy says that they're going to have a new year's dudes, darty style party. And uh, they share another great story about Pedge when Pedge put his pants over the taxi driver's head and couldn't see a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and mark says that would have been more hilarious had he not literally been weeping <laughs> with fear <laughs> jeremy's like trying kind of trying to motivate mark here to go out and just do things but mark is you know kind of kind of fighting it um i know that your christmases always haven't been stellar but what about your new year's because um mark says here that um it's impossible to have a good time on new year's do you agree or disagree so I've got two notable New Year's Eve stories and they both involve one of the same people. So I've had some absolutely shit New Year's Eves. Um, I've had some really good ones, but the two that I could think of immediately were shit. So the first one, they happened within a couple of years of each other as well. So the first one was when I was in the lower sixth. So I was 17 and my best friend had just been dumped. So we decided we were going to just get as drunk as we possibly could at 17 which obviously means you can't really go anywhere proper so we got drunk on gin with another friend of ours Dave because <laughs> gin was all we could fight like that was all we could scrape together from alcohol and I we, it was at my house and we were paralytic by about seven o'clock in the evening my nana just died she died about four days previously she was very old it wasn't unexpected um, but it was it meant that everything was sort of in disarray and my na uh, my mum knocked on the bedroom door while we were paralytic to tell us that she thought she'd broken her ankle she'd fallen over in the loft so <laughs> in all the confusion my mum had to go down to A&E but that actually is not the worst of the two New Year's Eves because three years later so was she so upset that you guys were all like hammered drunk yeah she was pissed off because we she couldn't get any sense out of us so she just left us to it while my dad took us to A&E to sit down there for like nine hours um <laughs> And then, yeah, like three, four years later, I had just split up with the boyfriend whose stuff I burnt in a bin. I've spoken about before and I was very upset. We had arranged to go to Edinburgh for New Year's Eve for like the, uh, the, the Hogmanay and I'd booked the hotel and I'd booked the trains and everything. So I'd had to cancel all of that, which was depressing enough. And one of the parts of the train journey I couldn't cancel. So my friend Dave, same Dave who was with me, getting drunk on gin four years before he suggested that we go up to our friend Lucy who lives in Manchester and to go to a house party that she was throwing so because some of the train journey was the same as it would have been to go to Edinburgh so thought that sounded like a good idea um it sounded like a good way to not waste the money on the train we got up there this house party was absolutely cracking it was jumping had a great time till about half past nine when Lucy's on and off boyfriend he some guys came in who he owed some money to evidently for drugs they were really aggressive and shouty me and Dave not knowing how to handle ourselves in this situation locked ourselves in the bathroom with <laughs> Lucy's cat it they just started kicking off the everyone left these guys robbed the house they took whatever they could of any value because obviously they, they were owed money by this on and off boyfriend. Me and Dave just sat in the bathroom not knowing what to do. We sat in the bathroom for nine hours with the cat. That was how we saw her in New Year's Eve. And uh, <laughs> when, we, when we emerged <laughs> early the next morning, pretty much everything had been robbed from the house. Everyone was gone. 
we didn't know what to do. It was about six o'clock in the morning in deepest winter. So we just walked to Withenshaw Station and stayed there until the first train came about four hours later, whilst we both cried simultaneously on the platform, agreeing this was the worst way to possibly ever start a new year. And to make matters worse, we felt obliged to take the cat with us. So we had the cat in a cardboard box that we took all the way back to London after the worst New Year's ever. So there you go. Yes, I've had some shit New Year's. Wow, that was not quite what I was expecting when I asked you this uh, question here. And the cat still lives with my mum and dad now. He's called Oscar. And he is about 15. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, and I'm not, I've got some stories to tell, but I'm not a hard person. I've not had any okay. criminal. Okay, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, I've not had any criminal dealings with anyone. Like, I can't, I can't handle myself. Dave, my friend Dave, definitely can't handle himself, like, we were terrified. There was no way. We, we've never been around these people. That's why we locked ourselves in the bathroom. Oh my god, that's crazy. And I remember phoning the police, and or I think I think Dave phoned the police initially, and he was like, <laughs> a bit like in the Nether Zone. He was like, "We don't know the address of this place. We can tell you we're in Greater Manchester, but we're not from here." And the police just laughed basically and said, "Call us back when you know where you are." And uh, and he sort of hung the phone up and was like, well, they say they can't help us because we don't know the address and we're shut in a bathroom. And I was like, phone him back, I'm going to phone him back. And, and then had a very similar conversation <laughs> to Mark where they just called me a, a pro and hung up. Oh my God, that's crazy. Mm. See now in modern times, oh my God, why didn't I think of this when we were doing Nether Zone? In modern times, you could have just used your phone and used your GPS and just exactly. ping your exactly. location. But this was New Year's Eve 2006, could not could not work out where we were so we just had to sit in the bathroom we were doomed to sit in the bathroom that's crazy yeah how about you have you ever had any crazy new years well fucking not after that story jesus <laughs> i win i win the new year's eve story yeah not as good as getting locked in the bathroom by drug dealers though is it no no not at all <laughs> nothing will ever top that not in a million it's, years i mean i haven't got many gritty stories so it's good to be able to tell one of them and yeah, be like Harry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I totally lost track of where we were here. Wow, that was a um, that was some shit, Laura. That was some shit. Oh, okay, yes. So Jeremy says that um, they're going to go to Johnson's party, a stomach liner, a seat warming, but then he's going to take Mark on a punani hunt. And again, this just strikes me as really weird because Mark doesn't seem like a casual sex person. And here's Jeremy, like, advocating that they go have casual sex. I mean, yeah. not with each other, but with, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just trying to sort of boost morale because it's quite clear that Mark is upset. And as if to underline that, Jeremy says, come on, my man, Dobby's gone, Zara's gone. Tonight, it's not about the bitches, it's all about the hitches. My question is, is why is Zara gone? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, well, I suppose that she did say in Nether Zone that they were putting it on ice, like, Everybody's going nice. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. you are totally right. Yeah. Um, but then the doorbell rings and Jeremy opens the door and oh, look who it is! It's oh, sorry. I guess before that, Jeremy says tonight <laughs> is not about the bitches. It's all about the hitches. And Mark just thinks, uh, we're Peter and Christopher Hitchens on a big night out, <laughs> and I suppose I have to be Peter. And you'll probably have to explain that joke to me. Uh, so Peter and Christopher Hitchens were brothers. They're both journalists and writers. Peter Hitchens is a bit of a cock, and Christopher Hitchens is dead now. But he was—he was a right-thinking. He—he was—he was a very left-wing socialist uh, journalist, and Peter Hitchens a very right-wing, insane journalist. Who, in the days before Twitter, I once got my email address blocked by Peter Hitchens. That is another claim to fame. So yeah, they're both polar opposite brothers. Peter's Peter's the worst one. Ah, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then the doorbell rings and Jeremy opens the door and, oh, it's Zara standing there. Yes, she uh, said she was in the area and she thought she might pop by. Yeah, Jeremy wonders, you know, this is the kind of bullshit that I am that I come up with. Is she doing a me? Does she still like me? And he says he needs evidence and he just reaches out and just like touches her boob. And she yes. just laughs and says, Jez. And Jeremy yeah. apologizes and says that was totally inappropriate. 
Yeah, but sometimes, you know, the scent of a woman. <laughs> um, and she says that the truth is that she's come around to tell him that Ben and she are finished because Ben has slept with somebody else. Yep. And Jeremy has a great line where he says, God, who would have sex with Ben? And then he looks at Sarah and he's like, apart from you, of course. <laughs> and she says that Ben told her he only did it because he was missing her so much, but she'd only gone out to see a film. Yep. And... uh she looks at Jeremy and she says, you know, so I started thinking, you know, we really had something. You and me, we're the same a bit. And Jeremy kind of puts his fist out and he says half a tub of cookie dough. And then she takes both of her hands and puts them around on his fist and says two films by Francis Truffaut. And Jeremy just thinks to himself, I never know. I will never know what that means. <laughs> Nor will and then, I. And then, no. And then she says that it might be completely mad. Does he? What does he think about the idea of moving in with her? Uh, because he, she really likes him, and Ben's going to stop paying her rent. Yeah, and this uh, I I want to kind of think of an alternate peep show where both Mark and Jeremy are apart. Like Jeremy moves in with Zara, and then Dobby moves in with Mark, and so you have kind of this, you know, like the same kind of structure. Like, do you think that would have been interesting? Like to have you know, Zara and Jeremy together and then Mark and Dobby together, but have it still be primarily about Mark and Jeremy's interactions? I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think, I think obviously for ease, it made sense for them to always be living together because otherwise it's harder to, to kind of keep the interactions between Jeremy and Mark happening. But I agree with you that it would have been really interesting to see what they would have been like living apart. And actually, particularly for Mark, who seems to always think that, the gold at the end of the rainbow is him not having to live with Jeremy anymore. Actually, would Mark find it any better living with anyone else? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mark seems like a tough guy to live with. Yeah, exactly. I don't think... I think that the problems... I mean, Jeremy's a waste of space, but I don't think that the problems are all completely <laughs> because Jeremy's a waste of space. Um, Jeremy thinks to himself, you know, don't say yes too quick, don't say yes too quick, and then... <laughs> um. Zara says that Ben has stopped paying her rent and she just thinks that Jeremy and her really quit click and they can do direct debit or whatever. <laughs> uh, and so this, you know, it's weird that I've watched this episode a few times, but have somehow never tracked this line before. And I wish this is something I would have remembered when we've been talking about Zara's character, because it seems really weird to me that she, you know, like genuinely likes Jeremy, her and Jeremy have like a legitimate good friendship and then all of a sudden she's a gold digger. Yeah, but, I agree. I agree with you. It's a bit of an odd shift. But it does make total sense because I remember we asked earlier, like, why are Zara and Ben together? And uh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe she's not earning much, whatever she's doing, and Ben's been her kind of meal ticket. Yeah, yeah, he's just been her sugar daddy, and she's just been living off sugar daddy, and you know, now that <laughs> yep. she's broken up with him. You know, time she needs for another shit to sugar get real. daddy. Yeah, I think you might have hit on something there. Uh, Jeremy says, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea." Uh, ben will definitely fire him, but he can get another job. And uh, um, yeah, he says he could start easily start his own music merchandise website because he's going to get a laptop. So sorted. Yeah, we should start a podcast merchandise website. <laughs> yeah, we could easily make a living doing that. Let's quit our jobs. I've got a laptop. We can do this. Yeah, we could sell tens of shirts. <laughs> Um, he Jeremy then thinks that he's moving in. He's going to be her boyfriend who pays rent. He's her rent boy, but not going to be sucking cock in a phone box. He's going to be eating pussy on a tumble dryer. Oh, God. Uh, Jeremy, he just... He doesn't know what it would be like to really live with a woman. No. Although, isn't there a deleted scene back in, all the way back in, like, season oh, three? Oh, Christ, yes, where, you're right. Yes, where the woman that he... Oh, what is her name? Michelle, woman, I think. Michelle, yeah, where he... Yeah, there's exactly that. He's about to eat around a tumble dryer. That does happen. Oh, my God, that's so funny. I forgot all... I got. I forgot fucking all about that. That's clearly a, a funny image that the writers wanted to keep, uh, wanted to use somewhere. So they ended up getting it into this episode. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot all about that. <laughs> um. So first stop in the night, as Mark has previously said, is going to be Johnson's house for Johnson's New Year's party. 
Mark is for whatever reason dressed as a sailor. <laughs> a but fisherman, not like I think. A yeah. fisherman, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he thinks that um that fancy dress is a joke for people with no sense of humour, which I completely agree with. How do you feel about fancy dress? Uh I don't know. I mean I guess I don't mind it, but I hate when I have to do it, mostly because I'm a, I got a fat gut, and so <laughs> my gut always hangs over my top button of my pants. And so, if I was like skinny, I would wear it all the time. But since I'm not, I don't. It's you know, it's it's for children. I would say that fancy dresses for children, and I've not been a child for a while, so I've got no urge to dress up. I, I know some people get a lot of fun out of it, but I tend to agree with Mark that the people that like it aren't fun. <laughs> Um, as they're standing in front of Johnson's house, Zara's phone rings. She says, oh, hi, Ben, and she kind of walks off. As she does, Mark and Jeremy start to talk, and Jeremy says, so listen, dude, you know how women, when they live together, their periodicals start arriving at the same time, and how dogs come to look like owners? Well, I really don't want that to happen to us. So actually, I'm going to be moving out, and Mark just looks really surprised about it. Yeah, uh, he asks, has Superhands been talking about his kibbutz idea again? Because he doesn't think the state of Israel is going to allow a kibbutz for hotties. <laughs> and um, and Jeremy says, no, Zara's up with Ben and she wants me to live with her now. Yep, and Marcus just thinks, or says, wow, that's very abrupt. And uh, Jeremy says, dude, man, it's no biggie, you and me. It was a phase, bada bing, bada bye. And Mark <laughs> thinks to himself, bada bing, bada bye. <laughs> all things pass you know we're born we live oh i guess jeremy says all things pass you know we're born we live we die plus sars getting a 3d tv so it may all make sense if you think about it and mark just looks like he's got his feelings hurt here yeah he does he seems really upset and i'd forgotten that 3d tvs were meant to be the future weren't they what happened to that what it was is just people didn't like wearing the glasses to watch tv yeah can understand it so you know i hope zara didn't invest in one yeah uh 4k kind of took over but still even 4k is pretty slow adoption rate what is 4k oh uh 4k tv has four times the resolution of a 1080p tv i mean we weren't even watching tv through an hdmi cable until quite recently so we're not the people to ask we were watching it through a scarf lead and when they came to put in the new box the digibox man was like are you not having a laugh <laughs> didn't know we were meant to change it that was <laughs> oh my god the government should uh, issue this information i mean how was how are we meant to know phil's only got vision in one eye for a start so he's you know the wrong person to ask and i clearly don't notice the details so well then a 3d tv wouldn't work for phil no he's he, he when that was all kicking off when they were saying 3d was the future he was like a bloody well hope not we went to the beatles museum in liverpool and the end of that is a, a 3D film of Yellow Submarine. And he sat there wearing the glasses and was just like, well, I hope this is good because I can see fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> we see Johnson. Johnson walks in. He introduces himself in um, as like James Bond, where he just says, Johnson, Alan Johnson. <laughs> um, and Mark says... Or uh, excuse me, Johnson says that he's even got a wetsuit under his tuxedo. He's back into scuba diving again. Thank you, direct marketing. And I just made a note that, of course, Johnson got into direct marketing um, after reading that woman's blog about selling the the makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see Johnson being very, very good at that. Yeah, Johnson would be brilliant at something like that because he's just scamming people, basically. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Uh, Johnson then asks uh, Jez what he's come as, techno hippie street bum, and uh, Jez says he's not actually wearing a costume, so the joke's on you, and Johnson says, no, I knew that, so the joke's on you. Um, Zara walks back into the room, and she just looks at Jeremy, and she says, really weird one, apparently a guy from Time Out magazine turned up at Ben's party, and Ben says he wants to talk to me about publishing a book of my blog posts. And Jeremy just says, your alphabetical list of French <laughs> films? And Zara says, yes, he thinks they're seminal. <laughs> and Jez points out that perhaps Ben might be just trying to read her in. Um, and she says, what, don't you think my blog posts are good? And he's like, they're, they're really good. But, you know, 
uh, and she says it's too big to miss so she's got to go and uh, leaves by saying see you later housemate and Jeremy thinks ugh day one and the housemate gets dicked over so pretty good numbers (laughs) Um, Johnson is very proud of his party he's talking about all the key players being there um, and and um, Mark says, "Are you still pissed off with with Big Susan?" He says, "What? What? what fuck you! What? Why would I be? What a stupid thing to say!" So he clearly is. I love this. He just gives this random shout out where he's like, "Liam Kendrick in the house," and this guy like <laughs> leans over with like a drink and like just salutes uh, Johnson. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, um, he says that if poor little bitch girl wants to have a spoiler party all over my house, Mormon, why would I even give a shit? And Mark says he doesn't know, but it's quite clear that Johnson's pissed off and becoming aggressive. Yeah. Um, At this point, Johnson and Mark start to have a conversation because Johnson is holding a glass of, like, champagne or something like that. And as we know, Johnson uh, from local... Oh, my God. Zero? Local Zero? Yeah, yeah. We know that he is a recovering alcoholic and has not drank in forever and is very terrified of drinking and as we remember from uh, the vacation, um, oh my god, the vacation in Paris, the unreleased episode, Johnson's drinking can often cause problems. Yes, uh, he says it's been five years clean and serene. He's not drinking just because you're looking at the titties doesn't mean you have to suck on the nip nips. Um, <laughs> but then um, he starts to kind of push drink on mark and mark is concerned for where this might be going mark says uh you know is dobby gonna be here and johnson says i don't know i don't know mark she might pop in and mark thinks it's hard to take a legal position on might pop in and he thinks anyone could pop in like jeffrey archer hugo chavez (laughs) or skinner and badil yeah. Uh, Jeff then comes over and in a sort of comical seafaring accent says, aye aye, Captain Birdseye, and asks what um, what have you caught? Some mackerel sexual herpes from bumming a tramp. And Mark sort of laughs because you have to laugh at these dickheads in this sort of situation. Yes, which also leads to kind of a little dark scene because in the back we see that Dobby has arrived and... Jeff and Alan kind of start prodding Mark to say kind of mean things about Dobby. They say, you know, oh, we've heard you had your dick in the dob. What's an average night, you know, what's an average night like? You sit around reading Superman comics, sucking each other's dicks. Oh, she's a freak. Is she? What kind of freak is she? Is she a manimal or a best-selling flanimal? And Mark just feels kind of helpless, and he just says... Um, that she is a manimal. Alan calls out to Dobby and he says, do you hear that, Dobbs? And Dobby just says, I'm a manimal. And Mark tries to defend himself by saying he doesn't even know what a manimal is. Yeah, um, and she's really upset. This is some quite good acting from Izzy Susie. Probably the best acting we see from her because she does seem genuinely very upset by this. Yeah, and uh, she explains to Mark that a manimal is a shape-shifting crime fighter. (laughs) Yeah, which I did not know. Um... But good, good to know. Good to widen your general knowledge with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also says, you've had your dick in the dobs. And um, as she's storming out, Mark says, hey, where are you going? And she goes, I don't know, maybe Superhand, somewhere people won't slag me off behind my back. Um, Mark tries to make like a, a, an apology here. But as he does, he kind of sees the his baby in like a side room laying on the floor. And he's like, is that my baby and he's apologizing for christmas and he kind of trails off and dobby just looks at him and says are you getting bored of your own apology and uh yeah and he, he says, says yeah sorry i just think I, I i think i recognize that baby but she's she's having none of it and she just goes yeah so then mark picks up the baby and is like oh my god i and then uh Sophie walks in and she's like, Mark, is he all right? And Mark says he fell out of his basket. He rescued him. Sophie kind of cuts him down and says, oh, what, from the soft carpet where he was asleep? Um, I don't even know how a baby this young would fall out of a Moses basket. I was thinking that. And I was also thinking, would I recognize my own young baby on the floor out of context? And I'm not sure I would have done so. 
<laughs> so I feel a bit bad for Mark here that he gets cut down by Sophie. Sophie says that she's here and she had to go upstairs to talk to her brother, Jamie. He's having a really hard time and he even posted pictures of his scrotum on Facebook. So the situation is looking pretty dire. (laughs) Yeah, classic Jamie. Um, Mark thinks that Dobby's gone and he's left here with his ex who despises me and his son who probably thinks Jeff is his dad while I'm some mad landlocked fisherman. Uh, Next scene, we go to Superhands' place for the Superhands party. Um, this, this scene, I think is a very like underappreciated scene in peep show history. I find this scene just, I think the scene is just so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, Jess says that there ain't no party like a super hands party, but Mark's really only interested if Dobby's there. Yep. And, uh, as we, they walk up the stairs, super hands Mm -hmm. and, uh, a woman that they call Yoko. They, I don't even think she has a name. They just call her Yoko is sitting outside and um both superhands and yoko look a little like uh i don't know how would you describe them worse for wear <laughs> yeah like like that they've seen something horrific yeah like they've seen some shit um yeah superhand says he's seen through the eye of the needle he's seen <laughs> it he's he's finally bloody seen it he pulled open the hurt locker and had a big old rummage around jeremy is like uh, really excited cuz he just wants to go in there and marks like <laughs> No, let's not. Yeah, Mark says, didn't you hear what he said? And Jez seems to think this sounds fun. Um, and J- Superhands then says, it's the heart of darkness. It's fucking dirt. And Mark thinks like, he doesn't want to go into the heart of darkness. But Jeremy says, sometimes you've got to flip the switch, lift the rock and see what's underneath. Because it's not always with life. Uh, and I love this next line where he says, look, if that party is too much for hands, excuse me, hands, the crack addled maniac, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident <laughs> it'll be too much for me. <laughs> um, Mark then asks if Dobby's in there and Han says that she swung by but she couldn't hack it she's pissed off to Big Susie's um, and he says that he's going to write this place off now tomorrow he's going to send someone in with some disinfectant and a flamethrower um, but he's got his sleeping bag he doesn't want to know <laughs> um, Jeremy like <laughs> then kind of walks out um, he kind of walks out and he looks like very I don't know, like disturbed. And Mark yeah. just says, well, how was it? And Jeremy just says, fine, let's go. And he's kind of <laughs> looking at Mark and he just says, what? Look, I don't want to talk about it. And the look on Robert Webb's face is so goddamn funny in the scene because he really does look like he's seen some serious shit. Yeah, he says he wants to have a cup of tea and some soda bread and just sit down somewhere quiet and... Mark says, what, what's going on in there? Are they doing it? And Jeremy's like, yeah, that's right. That's what's happening. You've really got no imagination. <laughs> what do you think they're doing? I don't know. I can't possibly imagine. I think I've led such an innocent life that I can't possibly imagine unless they're also locked in a bathroom with a cat in in uh, because some people have come in who owed them money. <laughs> what do you think was going on? Um... Have you ever seen the movie Eyes Wide Shut? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's kind of what I think is going on, except but with like <laughs> blood and like probably bodily fluids. <laughs> yeah, but it's got to be something pretty terrible that it's it's so disturbed. Superhands. Yep. Um, Superhands just wants to have a coke and some tuna, a tuna sandwich, and just mong out to some Snow Patrol. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they sort of start to leave, and as they're leaving, um, Jez asks Superhands who the chick is, and he says, that's no chick man, that's the love of my life. And uh, and Jeremy's like, wow, but he understands it. Um, but, sorry, Superhands then says that, you know, he doesn't really know loads about her because she doesn't really speak English. Uh, they speak the language of love and a tiny little bit of German. Uh, Superhands says... That she is the one for him. He'd take a bullet for her. He'd take a bullet up his heiress for her. He'd take a truncheon up his heiress for this one. Or an umbrella. He would open an umbrella inside his heiress for this one. And Mark just kind of stops him and says, Hands, we get the message. There's probably no need to list of all the things that you put up the bottom for your girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We then see them uh, shortly afterwards in some sort of bloody hell. Sadie, shut the door. Okay, but Esther's not being quiet. 
Okay. Hang on a second, sure. sorry. Okay, we have silence again. Sorry, I'll no, start no, again. Fine. So we then see them we see them shortly after this in a some sort of off license situation. Mm-hmm. Do you think this do you think uh, this business is still open? Um whereabouts is it? Oh, uh Notting Hill? I'm going to say it yes. Is. It is indeed open. What is it called? Um, give me just a minute here and I will pull that up for you. Oh, hang on. I've got my notes here. Super Safe Food and Wine. Yes. Yeah. Super Safe Food and Wine. It's, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the zip code here in just a second. can add it to the Peep Show Tour of London. Usually, yeah, yeah. Usually what I do is I put this kind of information on a notepad so that I just have it right there in front of me. But for some reason I did not feel the desire to do it with this one in. <laughs> okay. So it's what the fucking shit balls. Hold on a minute here. <laughs> Filming locations. Okay. It is 234 Westbourne Park Road, Notting Hill, London, UK. Oh, okay. And it, oh, it's interesting. The most, inter the most recent picture of it, it looks the exact fucking same. Yeah, I bet it's been the same for ages. Uh, the zip code is W11, 1, E is in Edward, L is in Larry. Hmm, okay, so that's an interesting area for Superhands to live in. I don't think he really lives there. <laughs> that's fancy. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but the crazy thing is, is that it looks like such a a shithole. Like I can't imagine. Yeah, it doesn't look like a great shop, does it? It's like a typical kind of off license that also sells a bit lettuce. Yeah, Jeremy is talking to to Mark in there. Jeremy says that he thinks Superhands' girlfriend fancies him, and Mark asks if that's why does he think that? Is it because he's got his punani jeans on? <laughs> um, and he says no in the fried chicken place she bit off half a chicken drummer and gave the rest to me and uh, and Mark's unconvinced by this but Jeremy explains it's symbolism the drummer's meant to be his dick <laughs> <laughs> oh Jeremy <laughs> oh Jeremy uh, and then uh, Mark just you know they start to talk about look because for some reason you associate a chicken drumstick with your penis doesn't mean that she was flirting with you Jeremy thinks she definitely was. Um, and Jeremy says that, you know, or, or Mark, excuse me, Mark says, she gave you some food. When you sneak chunks of my Cathedral City cheddar, is that you taking slices off my dick? <laughs> <laughs> so Mark then changes the subject and says he's going to ask Dobby to move in with him. And Jeremy seems confused by this, as maybe he should be, because things aren't going great between Mark and Dobby. And Mark explains that he's been thinking that he needs to make a gesture and maybe this is the kick up the ass that we, we both need. Yep, and Mark says that he could turn Jeremy's room into an office and he could finally nail Business Secrets of the Pharaohs, which I thought was great foreshadowing for next season. Yep, yep. Um, and Jeremy says, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. And, and Mark says that obviously they've always been amazing mates, but, you know, it's, sorry, Jeremy says they've always been amazing mates, but they're a little bit like lead weights dragging each other down. And Mark says, yeah, he agrees with this. Uh, living together is like eating a massive portion of chips. Very comforting, but there's also this lurking sense that you're killing yourself. <laughs> um, Jeremy <laughs> kind of excitedly says, we're moving on. And they do the, the little old dude brothers honk. Yeah. Um, and Jeremy thinks that Dobby can watch the History Channel with him and pretend to know the difference between all the old time black and white guys. <laughs> And, uh, and then Mark thinks, good luck, Sarah. I hope you know how to add salt to your dishwasher because Jeremy will never, ever be doing it. Have we ever seen them use a dishwasher? Mm. No. Because it's always... Because Jeremy makes lots of allusions to washing up or having to do the washing up or this comes up frequently. So that's weird because we've never seen any evidence of a dishwasher. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Now that you mention it, I don't think we have. No. Um, they then move on and we see everyone in a cab. Yep, Jeremy and Mark are talking, and Mark says, what should I do if Dobby says no about moving in? Jeremy says, don't take no for an answer, dude. And um, 
Superhand says, you want the knack mark with women? And Mark says, well, yes, I suppose I do. And Superhand says, want the knack, get some smack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get smacked out of it, then you'll get the ladies. And Mark seems unsure about this and says, really? And Jeremy's like, yeah. Um, sorry, Superhand is like, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I just love smack. And at this point, kind of the the tire screech, the, the car kind of screeches forward, and as the car kind of lurches forward, uh, Yoko she puts her arm out on Jeremy's leg to kind of steady herself from falling over. Yep, yeah, uh, and Jeremy thinks, yeah, she fancies me. I knew it. Um, just before that, actually, Superhan says that he he sort of declares his love for her, doesn't he, and says that it was like his first joint, his first berry track. Like my first roof rental, he just knew. We both did, didn't we, sweetheart? But then obviously she touches Jeremy's leg and Jeremy thinks, well, maybe not because she clearly likes me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark kind of sees Jeremy's face and Mark thinks to himself, huh, he thinks he's Romeo. He's not. He's an armrest. <laughs> we then move to Big Susie's house um, and Jeremy is talking to Mark and telling him that he was right. Yoko's hot for me. And Mark says it was a balancing hand, it wasn't an erotic hand. And just as he's pulled this a million <laughs> times, uh, he, you know, that hand could have ended up anywhere and it ends up inches from my dirty Harry. Coincidence? And Mark says, if we're going to name his cock after a Clint Eastwood film, it should be The Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark says he feels a bit odd about all of this because Big Sue's invited everyone except them. And... He says it's because Jeremy sent the objects. Um, and, you, you know, Jeremy says it's a natural part of breaking up, but Mark's not so sure. And as they knock on the door, it seems that Big Sue isn't so thrilled to see No, them. I love this. She just she just says, Mark, Jeremy, super hands, and a woman? You're all here. <laughs> You're all here. Um, she looks at Jeremy, says... She looks at Jeremy and says... Do you want to pick up any of the plasticine models you sent of you and I doing such and such? Jeremy apologizes and I... says, I'm sorry about that, Suze. Look, I was feeling very... And she says, look, if you like, we can all just... Or excuse me, he just says, look, if you like, we can just, you know, about to say fuck off. But what my question is, is when did this happen? Because the last time we saw Big Suze, she was over at the flat worried about Alan. Jeremy came upstairs in his underwear Alan punched Jeremy in the stomach, and Suze was clearly, like, concerned about Jeremy there. Yeah, maybe she was concerned about Jeremy, and maybe Jeremy once again pushed it too far with her. Maybe in the dying days of his and uh, Elena's relationship, when he was feeling down, maybe he pushed it too far, and then she rejected him, and then he sent the plasticine objects. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just weird. Uh, the other thing I like is that uh, Mark hands her this bottle of champagne and she says oh look you've brought us some almost champagne i tell you what <laughs> i'm gonna put it here and if for any reason we don't get around to drinking it tonight you can take it back with you yeah and i just love big Susan's <laughs> like subtle passive aggressive bitchiness yeah she's horrible um and, um, <laughs> and then um so Superhand says that he needs to smoke and and uh, Big Sue says that he might want to enjoy it in the garden. Um, and then Mark says, have you seen Dobby? And Sue thinks about it and says she isn't sure. There are an awful lot of what you, I'm sure you won't mind me calling your types here. Um, but since that they've been so clever to turn up with that invitation, would they mind helping out? So she gets them to hand out some canapes, which I think is, is beautiful. Beautiful that she asks and beautiful that they do it. <laughs> Uh, and uh, as they start to handle hand this stuff out, this guy just comes in and just looks at him and says, "Uh, oh, are you the turds in the punch bowl? I heard a couple of wet packs had <laughs> snuck in, and I just was like kind of shocked to hear that term. Does that term have like a racist and derogatory meaning over in England because it certainly has a racist and derogatory meaning here in the United States? Um, I've never heard of it, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to enlighten me as to what it means. I don't know if I'm just innocent. Oh, it's a Oh, it's a Mexican. Yeah, it's a, I've just Googled it. Yeah, it's it. a racial slur for Mexicans. Ah Um no, I've never heard of that. I can only assume it's because of the idea of them sneaking over some sort of border, but yeah, that is a bit racist. Yeah. I was a little kind of like Ooh. <laughs> um I guess Big Susie's friends are likely to be sort of colonial 
assholes, aren't they? Yeah, I guess so. Um, Jeremy kind of walks into a room alone with Yoko, and he thinks, hello, she's looking at me, maybe. And he kind of puts his hands up, and he makes, like, a breast-squeezing motion. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, and... He says he's going to fl- crank up the th- flirtophone using a language I think she'll understand. So that's why he's sort of doing this sexy Esperanto, as he puts it. Yeah, and then he he makes, like, the OK symbol with one hand and then, like, starts making, like, the sex... <laughs> it's this horrible podcasting because I don't really know how to describe it. He starts making, like, the sex motion with your hands. I mean, I think we all... We all know what we're talking about. We here. all know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just think this yeah. is classic um, Jeremy leading with his dick, and it just gets him in trouble. Yeah, Yoko, oh no, or Yoko, oh yes. <laughs> Yoko, oh no. Yoko, oh yes. And poor Yoko just looks um, absolutely but, terrified here. Yeah, confused. There's no way she's into it. Uh, but just then his phone rings and he sees that it's Zara and he thinks, oh shit, that's the love of my life. And uh, he answers it. Oh, and then, yeah, so then we don't really hear the conversation. Um, and then it flashes back to Mark and the doorbell rings and Big Seuss asks Mark to get the door. And so he opens the door and, of course, it's Alan that's uh, standing outside. And um, Alan is like, mm, yeah, went to get some booze. And Mark tries to explain that they got waylaid. Yeah, they got so waylaid that they've ended up at someone else's house. Um, but he, Alan says it's fine. He admits defeat. Suze wins. Uh, and it turns out that he is drinking. And um, Mark says, isn't it like kryptonite? You know, it's going to kill you. And and uh, Alan says that he's not going to drink it, Mark. He's just taking a sniff of it for old time's sake. But then he... Chugs it. Having tricked Mark, chugs the drink. And he yeah. just says, more fool, you asshole. And then just takes a drink. <laughs> Um, at this point, they realize that they should probably get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, yes. Jeremy says that he just spoke to Zara. Ben tried to get it on with her. We're going to pick her up and we need somewhere cool. Um, Mark goes, oh, I just know, I know just the right place. Um, I guess we kind of skipped this. I skipped this line accidentally, but, uh, Big Suze has mentioned that, um, Dobby went to a party over on a different street and Mark is like, oh, of course, Gerard's. So, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, so they're gonna go to that, but um, super as they've decided this, super hands appears and says they've got to go, let's do one because some bloke just asked Yoko for a number and I pushed a fucking crayfish up his snores. And then, <laughs> we, in a very, <laughs> I just love the image yeah. of. I also really like this last part where the, the guy that uttered the racial slur earlier says, you know, is there any more tartar sauce? And Jer- Jeremy says, oh, I'm sorry, I left it all in George Osborne's ball sack. Tell you what, why don't you nip upstairs, wank them off, and dip it in that? And then he just looks at Mark and says, let's go before we get fired. (laughs) So they turn up to Gerard's party, and Zara has joined them at this point. And she is saying that Ben took me to this cloakroom to wait for the timeout guy. We waited for ages, and Ben tries to get it on with me. Oh, the shit. And then Jeremy's like, oh, the shit. And then Zara says, I'm so pissed <laughs> off because now the timeout guy's going to arrive in the cloakroom and not going to be there. Yeah, she's very naive, isn't she? Yeah, which I feel like, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of the Sophie conversation where she's kind of whatever she needs to be to move the plot forward. Yeah, yeah, is that thing of that. Is she? Have we seen any evidence previously of Zara being naive? No, not really, nope. but... It, for the purposes of this, she's naive. Yeah. Um, we, uh, they they approach the party and Zara seems underwhelmed by it and says, is, it, is this it? Um, and Mark says, we heard a rumor that the monkeys might be playing. Isn't that right, Jeremy? And Jeremy corrects him and says, no, the gorillas. <laughs> yeah, very different bands there. <laughs> yeah, two very different bands. A great a great joke about Mark's unhipness. Yeah. Um... Uh, they try to get in, and there's this very large gentleman kind of named Raymond kind of blocking the way in, and he says, um, you know, tickets, and Mark says he will take five. And as that happens, Gerard kind of struts around the corner. He looks very... He he walks with a very ballsy style here. Like, 
you know, very... He's yeah, got a he's, on his, he's on his turf, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's with his people, he's on his turf, and he's, yeah, gonna, gonna you know, make sure they don't get in. And he says, unfortunately, tickets are only available in advance. Uh, Jeremy says, for fuck's sake, Gandalf. Oh, no, sorry, Superhand says, for fuck's sake, Gandalf, it's hardly the Viper Room. And Gerard says that this is a private party for live-action role-players and affiliates, affiliates of the International Fantasy Gaming Society. Um, and he's, like you say, very ballsy. He's absolutely in charge here, and he's not going to let them get away with this is kind of his demeanour. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really, really, really enjoy power-tripping Gerard here. Uh, Raymond says that it's perfectly okay with him to let the crew in, but Gerard just says, my hands are tied. Close the gate, Raymond. <laughs> and then he kind of saunters off, and Mark thinks to himself, the sickly prince has locked Dobby in his castle, and the gate's guarded by his troll. <laughs> yeah. So they, in the next scene, they head up to a sort of chain-link fence that's running along the side of wherever this part is being held. And Mark is looking at the fence and wondering how far down it goes into the ground and, and you know, whether or not he could get under it or get through it. Yeah, at that point, he sees Dobby outside and Mark says to himself, <laughs> you know, she's here. And he starts kind of calling out for Dobby. Um, Zara kind of wants to leave and Jeremy says, no, not the Hootenanny, never the Hootenanny. We're better than that. We are going to this party. Um, yeah, do you understand the reference of the Hootenanny? I know what a Hootenanny is. Is there something like, uh, is there like a deeper reference? Well, because in, so Jules Holland, who is, I don't even know what Jules Holland is. Jules Holland is some sort of music mogul, I think. He's a musician of some description, but every new, he's got this program on BBC Two called Late Night with Jules Holland, where he has different bands come on and it's on all through the year at about 11 o'clock at night. It's been going for years. It's very popular. Every New Year's Eve, he presents a, a version of this show where they have like a New Year's Eve party with various bands, and it's it's the sad man's option for New Year's Eve. If you're going to sit down and watch Jules Holland's Hootenanny, you know that your New Year's Eve has been unsuccessful. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Zara thinks that things have clearly gone so bad that they need to go home and watch it. So then they grab some trash cans? some Or some trash can lids, I should say. They grab some trash can lids. Yeah, they're going to use them to dig, yeah, I think. Yeah, and they start... Um, they start digging underneath the um, the uh, the fence, and both Jeremy and Mark are surprised that they are effective sort of spade scrapers, aren't they? And um, Jeremy asks Zara to try to find a tarp or some rags to wrap yourself up for for when they scream or scramble under. <laughs> yeah um and as she's sort of doing it and she's preparing to do it she says do you really think martin amos is going to be here jess and jess says he might pop in that's what i heard he might pop in great call back to the earlier pop in joke yes and uh and i love the idea of martin amos being at a fantasy gaming party as well uh i don't know who that is who is that He's a really highbrow author. There's there's no way. I think he's dead as well. Oh. <laughs> there's no there's there's no way that he would be at this party. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Um but as they're doing this, Jez sees that Yoko is trying to explain to Superhands in sign language what went on between them in the kitchen at the last party and Jess thinks, oh no, she's finger blabbing. Her hands are singing like a canary. Um, at this point, Davi runs over to the fence and she says, Mark, what the hell are you doing? And Mark says that they're just tunneling in. And she says, have you been following me? And he says, tracking and digging like a faithful hound. I'm bearing my <laughs> dignity in this small hole. So she <laughs> she asks him if she wants a hand and he says, uh and he says, yeah, and she, he thinks to himself, like, oh, my God, she's smiling. She's giving me a hand. She's not shooting me with a sniper rifle. She's helping me tunnel to freedom and start a new life in the West. Uh, Gerard is very unhappy about this. He comes storming over with a broom, and he says, stop, cease, desist. Now stay where you belong. <laughs> yeah, um... Dobby says don't be a dick I'd let him in but he's giving Mark a good broom in it's now Mark's turn to get broomed <laughs> and uh, and then Superhands comes over and, and says to Jez what the fuck Yoko says you were giving it all that at Big Stu's and starts doing the gesture that we discussed earlier um, and um, and he says were you Jeremy were you and he says god no it wasn't sex it was just sexy hand signals yeah and then um, but he says but it was really all a misunderstanding and we should emphasize that Zara is also standing very close to all of this. 
Um, he says that it was all a misunderstanding. He was in the kitchen and he might have done like for an okay. And then there were lots of little sausages around. So I put the sausage in the okay to ask, would you like to put a sausage in your mouth? <laughs> and the hand says, you mean, see if she wanted to put a sausage in her mouth and then take it out and put it back in again. <laughs> oh my God. That part just, oh God, that part kills me every single time. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and, and Jeremy sort of sadly agrees and, and Superhand says, you know how I feel about her. You're going to fucking pay for this. <laughs> and Jeremy says, look, it's not my fault she doesn't speak English. <laughs> this kind of thing probably happens all the time in the UN. And they storm off and then Zara says, you know, I'll see you later, Jeremy. And, but Jeremy wants to know, what about the bongs? What about the love nest? We're still okay for the love yet nest, yeah? And Zara just says, it's not going to happen. Yep, it's a no. And as she goes off into the distance, Jeremy thinks, oh my fuck, she's gone, my true love, my housing association. Uh, we then switch back to Mark and Dobby. And Mark's explaining that he knows he's done wrong, um, but that he would like her to move in with him. Um, he says he feels stupid even asking, him, but that, that's what he wants. And she says, you want to put your manimal in my flanimal. <laughs> and... Uh... And Mark just says, yes, I do, on a long-term basis. And then he just thinks to himself, here we go. She's going to rip my heart out like a temple of doom. And yeah. Dobby just says, fuck it, all right. Yeah, she's impulsively says she'll do it. And he can't quite believe his luck. And I can't quite believe she said yes either. Uh, fuck it, all right, she says. And he thinks, she said, yes, I'm moving in with Dobby. I'm king of the world. I must get some new towels. <laughs> uh, Jeremy is upset because he's standing in front of a thousand glory holes but no one with no one but Raymond to suck him off and um, Mark walks over to the fence and he looks at Jeremy and he says yeah you should probably leave it's not even really that great in here and Jeremy just kind of looks at him sadly and he's like aw and uh, Mark asks are you alright where's Zara and Jeremy just answers oh she's gone and Mark is you know, like, yeah, Jeremy just says, I'm not going to be moving in with her. And Mark is thinking, probably thinking to himself at this point, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, you know, sort of goes, oh, did, uh, sorry, no. And then Jeremy says, did Dobby say yes? And he says, yeah. And he says, look, I'm, I'm sure we can work something out. We'll make you a bit of a nest on the floor. And Jeremy's sort of heartened by this. And he says, yeah, I can sleep underneath your desk. You could put your foot on me while you write your book. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun, the three of us. Like, look, here's my question. And I know that three people in one apartment is not necessarily an ideal situation. But why does Dobby coming in mean Jeremy has to leave? Yeah, there's no reason really, is there? I mean, like you say, it's not an ideal situation. But I know of, of people where they've lived in a house share and the boyfriend or girlfriend's moved in. And maybe it's not going to be forever, but, it, you know seems to work well temporarily at least yeah um at this point they kind of start they kind of continue to talk and jeremy says that you know um well i could just i'm gonna move in with super hands and you know super hands said it was okay and we're gonna it's gonna be mental we're gonna have a blast and hands has a spare sleeping bag and mark just says yeah hands a second bag <laughs> Okay, well, if you're sure. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy says he thinks that it's time. Uh, you know, the LD brothers have come to their close. And then the inside you hear the party goers start counting down <laughs> 10, 9, 8. Mark just looks at Jeremy and he says, you know, look, I'd better go. Jeremy just says, yeah. And then he puts his hand up to do the L dude honk. And then Mark just turns around and walks off. So then Jeremy kind of like slides his hand through his hair. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, it's, oh my god, it's so sad. It's heartbreaking. Um, oh, it's the fucking end of a... End of an era. End of an era, yeah. Yeah, um, and then they Mark goes over to Dobby and she says, is he going to be alright? And and he says, yeah, he's moving into Superhands' party pack. They're going to be having the time of their lives. Yep, and just as that happens, Superhands comes <laughs> running at Jeremy with a broom and just starts beating the fucking shit out of him with a broom. <laughs> And Dobby says, did he just hit him? And uh, Mark says, yeah, I think this is just a thing they do to see in the new year. 
Yep, and with that, we get the close of the episode, the close of Season 7. And just for a little fun tidbit, if you started watching this episode at 11.36 p.m. and 19 seconds, you would have it synced up perfectly so that Peep Show New Year and actual New Year happened at the same time. You know what? My New Year's have got so lame lately that I think this might be where we're headed for next year. This might be what I end up doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably better um, lame than criminal, as they, as we've established they have yeah, been in yeah. the past. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like this was kind of a, a wet fart of an ending uh, yeah, for Series I mean, I, 7. I, I didn't... I, I didn't particularly have high hopes for it going in and I didn't, it's got some big laughs in it, but it, like you say, it just feels a bit like it ended not with a bang, but with a whimper. Was this one of the seasons where they weren't 100% sure if the show was going to be coming back next year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember what the gap was between this, but it certainly does feel a little bit like this could have been the end full stop, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it's not a horrible episode. It's not the best episode. It's fine, is how I feel about it. Um, I actually feel that my my rating of it was too harsh, really, for where it was. But I think that there's just so many better episodes that it got bumped to, to, to where it got bumped to. Wow, it was almost a two-year gap between Series 7 and Series 8. Yeah, I, I think maybe this might have been written with the the thought in mind that this could have been the end. Yeah, unfortunately this was also the last appearance of Big Sue's, so... Rest... No more Big Sue's No ever. more Big Sue's ever, sadly. No. Alright, so where do I think this is on your ranking? So I know that you said that you were very harsh to this. Uh, have we done 48? Uh, ye... Yes, The Affair was 48. Okay, what about 49? Uh, 49 is The Man Show, way back when. Holy smokes. Wow, I didn't know you didn't like Man Show that much. Yeah. Uh, jeez. Uh, 40... Have we done 50? Uh, no. Okay, I'm going with 50. Okay, I wasn't quite that harsh. It's my forty-two, oh. but I think that it's just that it's it probably it probably is more of like a, a mid-range episode. But like I say, there's so many better episodes that it's been bumped all the way down my list. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, well, with that, by the way, Laura, I'm gonna get a new hashtag going on our Twitter account called hashtag Release the List. <laughs> Yeah, people people do need to nag me. If more, if the more people that nag me about release the list, the more I'm more likely I am to do it. You know what? I took a photograph on it of it with my phone about four weeks ago, and I thought, oh, when I'm in school and I've got like after school when I've got nothing better to do and I'm waiting for Phil to finish, I'll type it up. That'll be perfect. And that very that very week, all my free time got eaten up because Sadie had to, my daughter had to go to A and E when mm. she uh, her temperature wouldn't come down. So I have had every intention. So yeah, people nag me, and I'll promise I'll do Likely it. Likely story. It, Actually, it I happened. do know that's a real story. So <laughs> uh, let's see here. So what we're gonna do next week is we we had a lot of success with our car share watch along episode. So, yeah, people seemed to be excited about yeah. that. Yeah, we've had some good feedback from a couple of people. Also, if you did a Blair and a Bear contest entry, we haven't forgotten about you, although we kind of did. Um, but <laughs> we'll get that sorted out here very quickly and get people that were in the Blair and a Bear Photoshop. We'll get you guys over something. So our apologies on our end. Um so, yeah, so anyway, so next week, what we're going to do is we're going to be doing a watch-along episode for American Peep Show. So it's kind of going to be the second time that we've covered this episode, but it'll be the first time covering it with Laura. So that'll be a lot yeah. of fun. Um, I'm excited. I, I will make sure and link the video on YouTube. Laura, you may have to find a 
you'll I'll have you make sure that it actually works in your country and that it's not region blocked or something like yeah. that. I've watched um, it before and I think it was okay. So unless they've changed it, it should be fine. Okay. Yeah. So next week's episode is going to be a watch along where we're going to be watching the American peep show uh, pilot. So that should be a lot of fun. After that, we're going to barrel through series eight and series nine. And then when series nine is done, we're going to do kind of a retrospective podcast. And then once we're done with that on to newer and different things. Yes. Yeah. So looking forward to doing the watch along next week that should be fun yeah yeah it'll be entertaining the last watch along was really fun to do so i think this one will be equally as fun yeah i agree uh let's see we it's kind of short podcast so that might be good for people who are tired of like hour and 40 minute shows but uh i guess we could talk about have you been watching anything this week i certainly haven't um, I've just started the program on Netflix that people have been talking about, Evil Genius, which people oh. have been saying is like oh. the next making a murderer. Have you seen it? Uh, Nicole and I watched the first three episodes. Right, so I watched the first episode and I'm really intrigued. So I'm looking forward to watching more of that because I was like, I wanted to watch more, but it was really late at night and I was tired. So I was like, I'm not going to be stupid and stay up till 3am watching this but it, it really captured my imagination yeah oh my god i thought it was so good especially uh, okay. because that story when it happened was very like it was very you know it was like a really big deal where people you know a lot of pizza delivery drivers were like oh holy shit is this gonna happen to me so kind uh, of really i'd never heard of it i it must not have it either didn't really make the news here or it didn't make a big impression on me so that's interesting Oddly enough, James Franco made a comedy movie of it called uh, 30 Minutes or Less. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So, okay, we'll talk more about that next week then when I've watched it all. Oh, yeah. it's uh, Like I said, Nicole and I watched the first three episodes and it's fantastic. How many episodes are there in total? Six or eight, I don't remember. Right. I'm hoping to, to barrel through it this week, so hopefully, yeah, yeah. I'll, have, I'll be able to talk to you about it a bit more. All right, so with that, oh, one other thing that we would like is as we are going to be starting a new season, we're going to have a new intro, and we would like your suggestions for audio clips to put into the intro. Yes, yeah, please, for season eight, although none immediately spring to my mind, so I wonder, people must have some favorite bits from series eight. Oh, I mean, there's oh, there's a poten- there's some good ones, potentially. Uh, maybe the part about Jeremy's being 80% gay. Uh, of course, yeah. And there is all the stuff with the um, with the life coaching, isn't there? So yeah, there is some yes. good material there. And the yeah. love bunker, you know, the golden snitch uh, of the heirs. Of course, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think with that, we are going to go ahead and sign off. This is the El Dude Brothers podcast signing off. And you guys have a great day. And... and, and, and Goodbye. See you later. Bye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. I, yeah, 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 yeah,